Welcome to The Way the World Works, where the trusted team behind the Tuttle Twins books tackles current events, hot topics, and fun ideas to help your family find clarity in a world full of confusion. Hey, Brittany. Hi, Connor. Many of the items that we enjoy today in our lives, the things we own, the things we use, they're a result of trading with other countries. For example, over the weekend, I got a new shirt. I really liked it. It's purple. I don't normally wear purple. <laughs> I thought, you know, this shirt looks good. I'll, I'll do it. And so I was taking the tag off and I saw that it said made in Bangladesh. I, don't, I couldn't even point to where Bangladesh is on a map. Is that <laughs> bad? I don't even. It's somewhere by like Thailand or, you know, East Asia. Uh, but specifically where I'll admit publicly, I, I don't know off the top <laughs> of my head. Um, and so that's a bit of my ignorance. But how amazing it is that we live in a world where people in Bangladesh can, you know, weave the cotton and sew it all together and, and everything and ship it over. And a guy in Utah can wear a shirt made by people all the way over in, you know, Bangladesh. It's pretty crazy the intricate world we live in. The readers of our kids' books know from the Miraculous Pencil book how, you know, even a common pencil is the collaborative work of millions of people all working together over the world. And that applies as much for my shirt as it does for Brittany, the computers that we're using right now to communicate together or the cars that we drive in and so forth. And so uh, this is, you know, the amazing thing about trade. And before we had things like cars or trains and planes, people were isolated right in their own countries they could move on horseback basically but they didn't really have the ability to have long distance transportation for purposes of trade and so the goods that they would use the the items that they would use in their lives typically were made locally but over time these these goods these items made their way to other places and this would not really have been possible we're talking clear back in like the 1200s without something called the silk road now, in ancient times, the Silk Road, it was a trade route. It was basically some interconnected roads, what we might think of today as freeways, except back in the day, it was just people on horse or camel and uh, or caravan in the sense of just walking together as a group of people. And it went all the way from China to Eastern Europe. It went along the northern borders of China and India, Persia, ended up in Eastern Europe near today, what is like Turkey and the Mediterranean Sea. And it wasn't just one road. As I said, it was like an interconnected network. There were about 4,000 miles of many different routes with trading posts. So think of like a, a flea market or a farmer's market, a, a congregated area where people could kind of set up shop. And as you were traveling long distances, you could stop. You could certainly buy you know, food. You could buy uh, shelter. You could buy clothing. You could buy spices. You could buy all kinds of stuff. Uh, both for your journey, because you would need things along the way, but also that you could take back home and either sell or use uh, as well. And so the Silk Road earned its names, uh, its name because one of the main things that was traded was Chinese silk. So it's not like like at the time this was called the Silk Road and that was the brand or whatever. It's just <laughs> call it that because the the Chinese silk was it was a luxury. In other words, it was an item that not everybody could afford, but a lot of people wanted. It was very like if you ever worn anything that's silk, it's just so soft. Um, and so a lot of people really, really wanted it. And so these were luxury goods that only the rich and powerful could afford. This was 
primarily because it was so difficult to transport all the way from China over to somewhere like Europe, right? It was hard to transport a lot of goods. It cost a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of, a lot of energy. And so it was very difficult for people to be able to afford. I mean, imagine like literally Brittany, before we started recording this, I just tapped a few buttons on my phone. I don't know if you know, this is why we were delayed in starting this recording. And I was using DoorDash to order my lunch <laughs> and, and I tapped a few buttons on my phone. And so someone at a restaurant right now, Chick-fil-A is uh, preparing my meal and someone's going to drive it over to me. And when we get done with our recording, it'll be ready for me. How amazing is that? And it's, it's fairly cheap because the technology and the transportation, it's all there to make it uh, feasible, to make it at a price point where I can afford to use DoorDash rather than having to cook my own meal uh, every once in a while. And so that was not the case with the Silk Road, right? If you wanted silk, let's say you lived in France and you wanted Chinese silk, rather than me tapping a few buttons and paying like five bucks for a driver to bring me my food, you'd probably have to pay the equivalent of like 5,000 or 50 or $500,000 in today's dollars to hire someone to go on that journey along the Silk Road and find some silk and bring it back. So this stuff, that's why it was a luxury good. It was super expensive. And spices, you know, we, we have, I mean, my, my wife has this spice rack. I'm sure you have something like that, Brittany. Mm -hmm. Kitchens have a spice rack. You have all these amazing spices. Today, it's just a common, simple thing. But food back then, it was bland, you know, didn't have salt, probably tasted pretty bad, but there were these exotic spices. And so people started trading them because they saw that it made their food taste way better, last longer. It made a huge impact on the world. And so people were able to use this Silk Road, this network of transportation to haul spices and then go sell them and then just distribute them in different countries. And it wasn't just China that was supplying these goods. China benefited you know, by importing cotton, for example, or wool, gold, and silver. And so that's why the trade was so important. They could export uh, silk. That's what they were really well known for. And they had a lot of spices too. So they could export these things to other countries, to people all over the world. But then they would import things as well that they couldn't naturally produce in their own country. That is why trade is so important because I might have an abundance of chicken eggs from my backyard chickens, but you know, maybe I don't have tomatoes because my tomato plants didn't work. And so we can barter, we can trade and we can help one another. And so people would go in these large caravans, they'd travel in big groups. So they'd carry all these goods across. And that was important because there were bandits who would try and attack and steal to take people's goods. And so people would travel in large numbers so that they could, you know, like strengthen numbers, they could be there to protect one another. Okay. So if you've never heard, if you've ever heard the name Marco Polo, this guy was a European explorer who used the Silk Road a lot. In our Tuttle Twins history book, we talk a bit about Marco Polo and the Silk Road. And so if you've read our history book, you'll know about that. Brittany, let's, I'm going to pause for a second. What, what else was important about the Silk Road? Yeah, so obviously the items are, are a big deal, but it's also the different exchange of ideas that happened. Because it's just, and it's crazy to me to think mm -hmm. about a time where you didn't leave where you were from, right? And if you're not leaving where you're from, you don't know anything except for what's going on in your own small local place. So imagine not knowing the stories that we know today. That's one thing that I, I always love. If There's like Cinderella, right? You guys all know the story of Cinderella. There's a version of Cinderella in almost every different culture. Hmm. But as they're traveling around, you know, maybe 
maybe a European is sharing the story of, of Cinderella with somebody from China, and then they take that story and tell their people, but they add their own local traditions to it. So here you get all these different, you know, you're, you're sharing these different ideas and cultural aspects. Music. Imagine not ever hearing, you know, what's the, oh, I can't remember. There's a really cool string instrument they use in Asia, and I mm. don't remember what it's called. But we would have never heard that if not for trading, when you're trading different aspects of culture, art, things like that. Um, ideas. Look at like political ideas. That's another big thing where you're you're going to different places, you're talking to different people, and you're understanding how their culture works. And so there's this exchange of ideas that's happening that is changing the entire world. In fact, I think it was candles. I want to say it was candles, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Maybe it was clocks. I know that sounds like they're not related, but they actually are. <laughs> but um, I think it was clocks that came over from the Middle East to Europe during the uh, middle of the like the Renaissance, and that like changed the world, right? So there's these items going from one place to another. In fact, in China, it was gunpowder. Chinese people invented gunpowder, and then that went all over the world too. And it's all because of trading. And it actually reminds me of the Bastia quote, which I'm probably going to butcher, but you know. People are more likely to stay peaceful and friendly with each other, different countries, when they're trading, right? And it's uh, if if goods don't cross borders, armies will. I mean, I just said that wrong, but I think I got pretty close. I got pretty close, didn't I, Connor? <laughs> I think so. Um, so here you have people are incentivized to to be friendly with each other because look at all these cool items they're getting, right? right. They're getting culture, ideas, folklore, which is my favorite part of it. But there's another part of this that I thought was interesting, too. It's also how like the Black Plague or Bubonic Plague, Black Death, that's how that got to Europe. I didn't know this. So there's like some pros and benefits because they're also getting different like viruses that then right. went back. Yeah. And I, I actually, I had never heard that before, but as I was doing research, I heard that. Um, but uh, yeah, just there's so much more than just the items. Uh, colors. I know this might sound weird too, but like the color, I, can't, I think it may have been purple. Um we didn't have like the Europeans didn't have like the pigments for it, like the the, the ingredients that like made the that color, yeah. the dye. Yes. Thank you. Um, and that that's something that would also be be traded uh, among countries. So it's it's crazy how much we have all because we were able to work together. And, and like you mentioned with your shirt, I noticed that now I don't think I think it would be fair to say that maybe 88 percent, if not more of the things we get are not from America. They're not made in America. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of people who thought this was bad during the, the Trump administration. There was this buy American, you know, we need to keep everything being manufactured and made here. But think of how boring and expensive that would be. It's great that we can rely on other places to get things that that we might not be able to have otherwise. So that's just that's just crazy to me when we think about how much we need everybody around the world because of what we're able to trade. And so I think the Silk Road is such a cool part of history because you see how all that started. And I think we also makes you appreciate how quickly everything travels today yeah. and how we're able to get things quicker. Um, unless there's the supply chain issue where those big cargo uh, boats remember were stuck oh, yeah. in like harbors forever. But what happened then you remember what happened then we didn't have items. Our yep. store shelves were actually empty of items we could usually get. So it was a very, very small sample of seeing what the world may have been like. 
before we were able to to exchange things with each other and i just well, think it's I, so cool and i think there I, I think there's a huge benefit from all this trade i think there is you know a downside where you have these big networks of interdependence that if you that, that if that network is disrupted just like you pointed out all of a sudden you're like oh you know how am i going to eat <laughs> or how am i going to do my job and so it's it's very dangerous when th those networks become so fragile that if there's a you know trucking protest or the ships you know off uh, off the coast or if uh, I remember the the big thing that happened to us with the Tuttle Twins books not only uh, was some of the boat and shipping issues but when when everyone stayed home uh, or was forced to stay home e-commerce in other words like Amazon and online shopping skyrocketed. Right. It was already very high, but all of a sudden everyone's just ordering and getting stuff delivered to their home. What's interesting about that is to meet that demand, that increase in e-commerce, the cardboard manufacturers had to go on overtime to produce enough boxes for everyone's supplies, which meant that to create their cardboard, you know, they, they, they would have to buy pulp. So what happens is, you know, when you grind down a tree into pulp that can be turned into paper it can be turned into cardboard and a variety of other things so you have these pulp producers who basically will, will sell to the highest bidder they don't care if it's for paper or for cardboard or something else and so the cardboard manufacturers were like we need all the pulp we can get we got to make more cardboard so they were buying up all the pulp which meant that for people like us who print books it became very difficult to find paper for like a year it became way more expensive, like crazy more expensive. And so these are these like trickle effects that you don't really realize that when the economy is so interconnected and if there's a disruption, all of a sudden you're like, oh no, I'm, you know, caught off guard. Or like if, uh, I mean, toilet paper, do you remember that in 2020 oh, when goodness, people yes. <laughs> couldn't find toilet paper and they're like, oh, what do we do? You know, and had to get creative for uh, a period of time. I had to loan <laughs> my brother uh, some and uh, so, so I think there's like a, a balance to be had. I'm, I, I don't think it's ever appropriate to say buy in America, made in America, America first, because the world is better when we can uh, buy and sell all over the place, get access to things, you know, have cheaper labor. People are often criti uh, criticizing that because, oh, you're just trying to open up a sweatshop or you're trying to yep. take advantage of cheap labor. And, and yes, there are inhumane ways to do it. There are problems. No one's saying it's perfect. However, when you provide employment to people in a country who otherwise have no employment when you're paying them way above the average you know wage in their country to them it's an opportunity to us it might per, uh, appear to be uh, you know taking advantage of them as some people might say but to these people a lot of them all over the world this is a huge opportunity to provide for their family and so we can create employment for people who need it the most we can get access to all kinds of other materials um, and so I think there's a balance. I think we still, as uh, for our country or in our state or even in our community or for our family, we need to make sure that we're not so thinly spread that if something gets disrupted, that we're going to, you know, starve or go without or, or have a problem. So I think there's a balance. But what's cool about the Silk Road is just considering how trade makes the world better. Mm -hmm. These were people who were able to, I mean, granted, the people who were spreading the bubonic plague for them, you know, Life was not better, but uh, for everybody else who didn't catch the plague, uh, you know, they're getting access to all these things. It's making their lives enjoyable and enriched through, as you pointed out, language and ideas uh, and all kinds of fun stuff. Trade is really a win-win scenario. It's, you know, again, if I have chickens and you have tomatoes, but we both want the opposite, we can 
you know, do a solid for one another and make our lives better by giving uh, each other what we uh, both desire to be happier and and more prosperous. So trade, free trade is amazing. It has its root in the uh, roots in the Silk Road. So if you have not yet read our America's History book, guys, this is a 240-page storybook. It's a series of stories. Every chapter is a story as part of one big story. And in there, we talk about how the Silk Road and all this trade and Marco Polo was really the foundation of America. Because as these people started trading to better their lives, they then started, you know, moving to far off places, traveling a lot. And that led to um, people exploring on ships, faraway lands in hopes of finding treasure and spices and interesting things they could bring back to the Silk Road. So as these people would travel to far off lands, they would discover these lands, they would interact with people that led to colonization, uh, which led to uh, the Americas, which led to the United States of America. So really the foundation of our country, I would argue, has its roots in the Silk Road, in free trade, in the desire for bettering your life. There's a lot of lessons we can learn there. So if you, if your family does not yet have that book, you're going to want to pick it up. It is a phenomenal resource to learn about American history framed the right way, starting all the way in the 1200s through 1776. Head to tuttletwins.com slash history. You can get the book. We've got curriculum and some fun uh, working assignments, worksheets. We've got an audio book. We've got videos and more. So tuttletwins.com slash history. Check it out. Learn about the Silk Road and how it impacted the years and centuries to follow. Brittany, great chatting with you as always. Until next time, we'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. You've been listening to The Way the World Works. Make sure your family is subscribed and check out tuttletwins.com for more awesome content.